Hi, I'm Gretchen Lynch, and welcome to Impact the Podcast, where we bring together some of entertainment's most creative minds to explore the themes and philosophies behind content creation. Today, we will be taking an inside look at the hit show, Dave. Join me in conversation with creator and star Dave Bird, co-creator Jeff Schaefer, and writer-producer Saladin Patterson, as we explore the dynamics of creative collaboration, authenticity, and creating comedy that has something impactful to say. Enjoy the episode, and don't forget to stream Dave on Hulu today. Dave Bird, also known as Lil Dicky, is one of the most lyrically talented rappers in the game, and also one of the most unique. His songs and videos are recognizable for their comedic nature, something that sets him apart from other artists in his domain. Dave's whole journey into the rap world began with comedy, and his ultimate dream was to have a sitcom and bring his comedic voice to TV. This spring, that dream was realized with the release of Dave for FX Networks. So let's go back to the beginning, and in his own words, how did this show happen? Yeah, I always wanted to be a comedian, like as a kid, you know, without really knowing what that meant. Like, I was just like, I want to make people laugh. And then as you get older, I guess, and you think about what type of like you know there's I guess several different types of comedy and I guess but my vision I always envisioned myself like in movies or on tv so like more than like doing stand-up or you know what I mean or like sketches um and you know I started I started rapping initially with the intention of being noticed for being funny and then it just the rapping to um you know I love I love rap and I love rapping and it just took on a life of its own to the point where I became so, uh, I guess, successful as a rapper that I had to, I just wanted to, you know, build that momentum and keep going. And I feel like to answer why now, it's like, I feel like I, it's, uh, that's kind of a, the first time I had like the real time to do it. And I think it was smart to wait until you build up a successful career as a artist or whatever, because then I have all these different videos that I can show all these I'm not just like a random guy who walks in and I'm like, I can do this. Um, even though I kind of was even at that point, you know what I mean? Um, and I just like my rap career essentially acted as my standup and allowed me to get any meeting, you know? And then to answer the question, why my life story? I mean, I'm an expert at that. Like, you know, especially for someone who's doing it for their first time, they say write what you know I certainly know my own life and it's just like I would be foolish to not really my life also happens to be so entertaining because of like I'm actually a rapper and I go it's like so if I happen to live like a really entertaining life that is funny my favorite form of comedy is like grounded like reality based comedy like not like forced jokey written comedy um it just felt like a perfect storm I believe the bravest thing anyone can do is be authentically themselves. Raw authenticity is something Dave has ingrained into his music career and into the core of his show. Whether it's talking about awkward sexual experiences or addressing bullying and mental health, this honesty paired with smart comedy is what truly shines through in every aspect of Dave's career. For Dave, this goes back to the fundamentals of who he is as a person. It's not about putting on a persona or trying to fit into the mainstream. He's just living his own truth. And by doing so, has pioneered his own unique lane that is completely unmatched by anyone else. 
even before like aspiring to be an artist and a comedian and a rapper or whatever, I was always like very much myself. And I think people appreciated that about me. And I was, and I think same with like Gata. And it's like a lot of people in the show like are just like themselves. And then I had this like kind of outlandish dream that I'm aware is like ridiculous to the point where like when I said I wanted to be a rapper, like, and I started working on this stuff, like literally my girlfriend and my parents like pulled me aside and had an intervention, just tell me why I shouldn't be doing this, you know? And it's easy to like, be scared of failure or not go for something. But if you're like really believe in it, like you're never gonna, you're gonna be a tortured soul if you don't like see it through. And I think it's kind of just like, no matter what people say, like just like go with your truth. And I think you can apply being true to yourself with like all the penis stuff and like just like not in all like the gated bipolar stuff and just like embracing yourself and then others will embrace you. I think that was a big part of my appeal as a rapper because like, a lot of times you might hear rappers like being really cool. And I'm not saying these guys aren't cool because, you know, a lot of them are that cool. Right. But uh, I think you rarely see like a guy who is rapping about premature ejaculation. You know what I mean? So uh, I think I just, that's just why I was, a, that's why I didn't like necessarily make that big of a, like it wasn't like, oh, I see this in rap, so I'm going to be this. Strategically, it was more just like, I am this way. There's only one of me. If I like, you know, but if I say like if every rapper who ever asked me for advice, because I'm never just going to get, you know, if someone's like, hey, man, you got any advice for me? I'm an aspiring rapper. I always say, just be yourself. Like, like you're the only person that can be you. You're like a one of one. Like, if you start trying to rap like everybody else, you're just going to be one of the millions of people rapping that way. Like, be uh, irreplaceable. Yeah. And I think that advice is applicable to every aspect of life. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Dave's authenticity isn't the only thing people took note of on the show. In episode 5, Hype Man, Gata's story took center stage. The episode unfolds with an inside look at the complexities of bipolar disorder and has been revered for bringing light to the large issue of the stigmatization of mental illness. It was these stories of struggles and perseverance that Dave felt strongly about including in the show. Because, just like life itself, we laugh at dirty jokes and we give our friends hell but there's always another level under the humor. It's that emotional undercurrent of the show that was not only incredibly important to Dave, but also a huge responsibility to do those stories justice. You know, Dave is a real person. He's my real hype man. I've lived with, you know, I've, I've been like, this guy like is, is like one of my best friends and we've hung out pretty extensively for the past seven or six years or so. And so there's been plenty of moments where like his bipolar disorder has like actually like, like come up and my, you know, so it's like part of, but I think the impetus of it was like, we, we brought Gaga in to the writer's room and, you know, similar to how I said, everyone was sitting in a semicircle and I was blabbering. We did that with Gaga for a few days and he's the most open book person. Like, I guess me and him both are, but he started talking and like, you know, we're writing down the things he's saying and I, from the jump, wanted the show to be much more than just like a funny comedy. Like I wanted there to be like emotional depth and emotional moments to it. And I thought, this was a interesting because a lot and a lot of you know Gata used to be a hype man for another rapper and I just like wanted to tell like the story of like how Gata kind of ended up me and Gata like, ended up meeting mm -hmm. um and I think it we just wanted to do something that could like really it wasn't I don't think we necessarily like man you don't see this often talked about in the black community this would be good that being said you know a guy like Saladin I, I didn't I wasn't really even fully aware that it was stigmatized in the black community to that extent but Sal, you explained it to me, and then it became, you know, then I understood how it would be even more meaningful than just 
uh, you know, any other bipolar story. Um, and I think yeah, it, took, it, it took a lot of bravery. And what I felt was, man, we better not fuck this up because uh, it's his real, like, deepest, darkest. It's, like, easy for me to, like, take the story of my penis and because it's, like, all of it's on me. So it's, like, if it's not, it's, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to fuck that up either, but I would have, it's, like, why well, I play, I like playing singles in tennis. Like, I, sometimes I don't like letting someone else down. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is, even though the show's called Dave, like, episode five is Gata's story. And it's not even his fictionalized story. It's like his actual life. So I really didn't want to, because if you try to go for something emotional all of a sudden in the show and it falls flat, it's going to look really bad. And I was really, I wasn't worried, but I was, it was a risk. You know what I mean? And I'm, so I'm so happy that the episode turned out to be like, you know, so revered because he's like, I just wouldn't have wanted to let him down. And it really was all him. Like, the reason the episode is so good is because his performance is so good. Oh my gosh. Like his performance is unbelievable. And I knew that he'd be great on camera and great being funny. Uh, and I know he's an emotional guy, but I didn't know that he could do that. Yeah, he's so good. Um, and it's, yeah, that, I'm very proud of that episode. I'm just very happy for Gata because I think he was also a little nervous about like just putting this out there. And I think he's, he texts me all, all, videos every day of like people coming up to him and be like, man, like this story, and he's like, so happy to be improving society. Such a good heart. That's amazing. And I like what you said too about the show is so funny, but then you're really packing these punches of kind of emotional heartbeats. Someone that I was talking to the other day equated it to Fleabag in that sense of, um, you know, really kind of surprising you when you're laughing and then suddenly you're, you're tearing yeah. up, um, which yeah. is incredibly powerful. And, yeah. and I always love when the Fresh Prince did that. You know what I mean? Like we're all, you're just like, shook by like whatever the hell like you know will's father not being around and it was just i I think those are the it's like those are the they make the funny moments funnier and they make the they make you care about the people more i think it's a sign of great comedy i believe that great comedy leads you thinking which is exactly what the show's doing yeah one thing I really respect about dave and it shined through in our conversation is that he does everything to the highest level he knew that if he committed to making a show which is not an easy task it needed to be great. Just like his music, he wanted everybody to be talking about it. I mean, to be quite honest, I wanted people to be blown away by it. Like, first and foremost, I wanted people to watch it and be like, holy shit, this is like a game-changing TV show. Like, that is the first, like, I didn't want it to just come out and be like, oh, did you see that show? Like, I, li I think I, li I, wanted, I, wa I wanted it to be like a feverish reaction. Like, I remember, like, when Girls came out, and it was like, oh, my God, like, I, who is Lena Dunham? Like, what, like... Where did she come from? This show's so fresh, so original. And I just feel like every so often a comedy on TV comes out like that. Like, you know, Fleabag, Atlanta. And I just wanted, like, I wanted the show to really impact the culture, you know? Uh, and so that, and that was my own selfish, like, goal, you know? But that was on, that's very surface level. Beyond that, I, I definitely want, my favorite thing is when people tweet at me, man, like, I was so unsure about going for this in my career, but like watching your show is like, I'm, I'm going for it. Like people really do, that is the thing that I described, like it resonates with people and I think it does impact them in that way. And I think, you know, the, there's a lot of people that who have bipolar, like any sort of mental illness talk about the Gator thing. And I love them. I, I believe that my job or my, I'm, I will be doing my best work if it's positively impacting society. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that I'm seeing you know, people positively impacted. But that being said, selfishly, like, 
my favorite things that happen are like LeBron James tweeting about it. I thought I, I, thought I knew happiness before that moment. And I realized in that moment, I, had, I didn't even understand what happiness was until that very moment. Dave is an incredibly smart multi-hyphenate, but to create something so special like this show, you have to have an amazing team of people around you. How did Dave build not only his team, but the trust needed to allow them into his world to tell his personal story? Well, I think it started with my awareness of the reality that I could say I'm capable of doing X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, I've never done anything in the medium at all. Like just for a guy to say he can do, he's never written, I've never written anything, I've never even acted, like I've never executive produced, I've never done any of this shit. So I knew that my best chance of like getting green lit and like being, you know, getting the network of my choosing would really come down to the package that it was presented in. And beyond presentational package based, you know, whatever, I had never done it before. So I just only stand again by like surrounding myself with incredibly talented people who have like done this stuff over and over again. So I was like meeting showrunner type people for a while and it kind of felt like dating. And I was just like, but like I never met like my soulmate, you know what I mean? And then I met Jeff and it was like, oh my God. And it's, I'm so, I have such a high bar and I'm so naturally, like I wouldn't say I'm naturally just distrustful, but like it takes a lot for me to believe that you can, that your opinion's more valued than mine. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but it, it's not that hard for me to feel that way when the guy's like making curb, you know, or like created the league. So it's like, this guy's just done all my favorite stuff. So when he says, no, like, you're better off doing it this way for this reason, I don't, I don't really have much to argue about. I'm just like, okay. And just like that trust really is huge. And beyond him being incredibly valuable and like totally like the show could not happen without him. Um, so Jeff was the first like piece. And then, well, I guess Scooter was as well because Scooter was my manager. So Scooter was just like kind of there from the, Scooter actually was the guy who introduced me to Jeff. So Scooter was like, my manager, Scooter and Mike were the first pieces. They brought me to Jeff and we wanted to get even more, a bigger, pe more people. And uh, Kevin Hart was the guy that I met at his bachelor party. Like coincidentally, I was in Las Vegas and I was performing at a pool and he happened to have his bachelor party there. And then he actually came on stage and like rapped with me. And I met him that day and we had such a good, we just stayed in touch and he's from Philly and I just thought he'd be a great person to get involved. And it's not just Kevin Hart that's involved now. Now it's like a whole production company with like Heartbeat. So it's like, you know, there's a woman named Tiffany who works there who's like sending me writers every week. And it's just like all these people kind of come together. And then we met Sally and it's just, the, and then we hired all the writers and it's just like step by step. And then it's just like, the more you get people, the more it's, it's, it's kind of like with my Earth song when it's like, I got a few people and then you go to another person, they're like, oh, I see all those people doing it. I, I'll do it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it just kind of built. Jeff Schaefer is a king of comedy. He's the showrunner of Curb Your Enthusiasm, he co-created The League, and was an executive producer and writer on the cult classic Seinfeld. In addition, he's written movies like Bruno and The Dictator. So from Jeff's point of view, what was it about Dave that made him create space in his incredibly busy schedule to come on board as co-creator? I wasn't really looking to do another show. I was pretty busy, we were in the middle of, gonna, we were gearing up for Curb again, and, my friend and fellow producer, guy Marty Bowen, said, will you just take a meeting with Dave Bird and, and Scooter Braun? I was like, all right. I said, and, I, and obviously I knew who Dave Bird was. I mean, this is like three years ago now, but the internet at that point was like 
you know, 60% porn, 20% little dicky videos and 20% clickbait. So I knew who he was I, and I enjoyed his stuff. So sat down, wasn't expecting anything, right? He's just a, a rapper. And when he started to talk, he started to tell stories of things that had happened to him and they were curb stories. They were stories that like might happen to Larry. They were the kind of stories that I really liked. And I thought, oh, this is, he's not what I thought he was. And so I thought that was really interesting. And then at the same time, this guy is talking to me about how he's going to be the biggest entertainer in the history of entertaining, right? And, you know, I'm looking at this guy who looks like a piece of broccoli had a bar mitzvah and he's going like, I'm going to be huge. And I'm like, well, it's fine. You've had a little bit of, you had a little bit of success. Like he thought this before he'd ever rap, before he'd ever told his girlfriend he wanted to be a rapper. I'm like, that's a cartoon level delusion, right? You're bonkers. And I thought that's a really funny engine for a comedy show. Because how do you know if this guy is out of his mind or if he's actually maybe right? And I thought that was just really interesting. He's an amazing rapper. He's a fantastic improviser. He's super funny, but he still has this, he so earnestly says the most hyperbolic things about himself. And I always say, keep that. I love that. Because how do you date someone like that? How do you room with someone like that? And that's the show. Speaking of Dave's personality and experiences, I was curious how Jeff could possibly comb through Dave's memory database and select what goes in the show. Is there any boundary of what's too sacred and should be left strictly personal or is everything just fair game? Well, so when Dave and I started talking, I just said, dump, let's dump all your stories into a bucket. Let's see. And let's, and then let's make smaller buckets. Let's make a season one bucket where you're not famous at all. And then, cause he has a lot of stories the show trails his life by like five or six years. So he has all these stories that are happening now. But I'm like, well, that's, you're way too famous. Like no one knows who you are in the beginning of this. So that has to go to the side. And then he started to tell me things like, well, I need to tell you about, you know, my penis. And I said, he said, and he told me about it. And he said, but this is a secret. Like no one knows about this. Please don't tell anyone. And I said, okay, except this is going to be the first scene of the series. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, that's the very first thing I want people to know. And um, he did it. And it's amazingly disarming. And I think one of the things people love about the show, like our touchstone was like our North Star was authenticity. And he's being so authentic and so vulnerable. And same with Gaeta. And they're not hiding behind a character. They're playing like versions of themselves. So they're just standing there going, this is me. I think people really responded to that. Um, but that wasn't even your original question about what stories go in and what stories go out. The interesting thing was the original concept of the pilot was completely different. It was, it was a moment that was super important to Dave. It was the biggest moment of his life. It was the moment that he hit send and sent out his first video and it went viral instantly. And he says it's the biggest moment of his life because it's the day he became who he always thought he could be. And that was the original concept of the pilot. And as we started to talk to FX, they very wisely said, I don't know, origin stories are sort of boring. Like we know what's gonna happen. And, and since you know what's gonna happen and you know it's gonna, he's gonna be success, everyone else just seems like a stick in the mud. And, and I started thinking and I said, you know, they're hundred percent right. And so we moved it to like four weeks later because four weeks after you've had a big viral video, you're just a guy who had a viral video four weeks ago. And you're not legitimate. You're not anything. So it was just a much more interesting place to start. Thinking back to my conversation with Dave, I wanted to know from Jeff's perspective, 
What about the show has made it so successful and also has brought it to a much wider audience than just the original Lil Dicky fans? It really all comes back to the theme of the show and of Dave as a man, authenticity. A lot of people, whether they knew Little Dicky's music videos or whether they'd never heard of Little Dicky, were surprised at how much the show had to say. Um, and I think it is those moments that you just mentioned, those, those moments of just like, like open-chested vulnerability um, that felt so real. Um, and I think people really responded to that stuff. And I think we were able to do a mix of really sincere and emotional stuff and also really shocking extreme comedy stuff. But I don't think the shocking extreme comedy stuff would have worked without that underpinning of like authenticity. Uh, and, and like, and this is what his life is really like. The show Dave has, uh, has a fan base that's not limited at all now to little Dicky fans. And I think because of because it's it's different than the videos, and Dave, to his credit, didn't want to do a show that was just another one of his videos. He wanted to do a show that really talked about him and talked about these other issues. I mean, he's right at this sort of nexus of all these complicated things. I mean, he's got, there's body image stuff, there's, there's masculinity stuff, there's appropriation stuff, there's race. I mean, he's a white rapper in a predominantly black field. It's, it's, there were all of these things that were so charged and he wanted to go right at them. And I think, but we don't, the important thing for us was not to go right at them in a preachy way. It, none of these felt like a very special episode of, you know, they, and the way to do that is to come at them in a very, very personal way. And by doing something so personal, you actually talk about something very universal. Now, Curb is actually the same thing. It's just comedy. Right, so Larry is dealing with the little things that everybody like has to deal with, and and he's dealing with them in his own way. And so, for an audience for Curb, people are either saying, like, they see Larry do something, or they see Larry in a situation, and they say either, "Oh, that happened to me before. Man, I wish I could have yelled at him like that. I wish I could have yelled at that pig Parker," or they go, "Yeah, I've done that. I'm pig Parker. I am." Jeff has a lot of experience working with creatives who are the center of their own show, from Jerry Seinfeld to Larry David, and now Dave Bird. So how does he build the trust needed to pull off these shows? I mean, you build that trust by working with them every day and being right. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, these shows, like Curb is, Curb is such a collaborative thing and like we're every scene is a live rewrite and so if I'm directing and writing and and like right now when we're writing it's just Larry and I and we've known each other for a long time but that got built up over like sort of proving yourself as you know as when Alec Berg and I were like you know story editors on Seinfeld and like oh we can use this script that's a good story and and just bothering him about how to do every little thing and um but the comedy comedy is so collaborative that you need to be able to have someone next to you, like for me, these, these are the most value-added of value-added performers, Larry and Dave. I mean, they just have all of this stuff to say and I've got a lot of stuff to say and we're just sitting there like going at it. And the nice thing, like Larry, who is so sure of what's good or bad, like on his, on his thermometer, he'll, but he'll try anything that he's like, oh, that's great. He'll try this, he'll try that. He's um, confident enough to try almost anything. And if it works, it's great. And it's in. So it's just years of, of doing that. Um, but they know also with the actors and like 
especially when you're doing improv, they trust me that we're going to put be in the editing room and only use the best parts. And I there's a whole level of just trust for the cast and and me for like Curve or Dave that we're going to come up with something really funny today. Like here's an outline. The story's funny. You guys are funny. I'm funny. We're gonna we're gonna make something great. I don't know what it's gonna be quite yet, and it's not gonna be what I thought it was gonna be, but it's gonna be great. Right. So would you say trust is kind of what you attribute to successful partnerships? Yeah. Well, it's also having an aligned focus. So Jerry and Larry taught us how to do everything, but they also taught us the most important thing, which is they were worried about one thing. What's the funniest show? Nothing else matters. So there was no extra like, you know, bullshit and personality stuff. And Jerry didn't care if someone else had a great joke. He knew it all. The show's called Seinfeld. And so everyone worked so hard just about one thing. And Dave is the same way. It's like, what's the funniest, truest thing? So as long as you have a partner who's willing to just work really hard at that thing and only worry about the show, then the show's going to the show's going to work out. Having worked with total legend Larry David for so many years, what's the biggest thing Jeff has learned from Larry that he's taken to heart and implemented throughout his career? Structure. So, like, and Larry and Jerry, when I was at Seinfeld, they taught us everything. They let us, when it was our scripts, we were following around in the blocking, we were in casting, we were in the edit room, we went to the sound mixes. So we learned how to do everything. And we just followed him around. I called it the death of a thousand cuts because Alec and I would follow him around and just go, what about this? What about this? What about this? Why are you doing this? What is this? I, I can't believe you let us do it. Um, but he trained us to make shows. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about uh, the thing about the structure, why the structure is so important, like Curb is written three times. We write an outline and that's the hardest part, doing the comedy geometry to weave all these stories together. And there's a few jokes and things, and you have other jokes that you're not putting in the outline. And then on the day, it's a live rewrite. You're just, they're adding, actors are brilliant. They're adding things. You're adding things. You're whispering in people's ears because Larry wants to keep it fresh. And you're generating all this material. And then you finally get into the edit room. You write it for the third time. But if the structure, if the stories don't work, it's the same as Seinfeld. The story, when you tell it, needs to be funny. George gets caught eating out of the trash, you know, or whatever it is. Like, the story itself has to be funny. So that's the biggest carryover. Um, I learned from him, um, but the thing that I'm, the thing that impresses me most about Larry is no one gets off the phone better than Larry. He's, when we're done talking, bye, and it's done. There's no like, all right, well, I'll call you later. We'll talk later. Like, it's, it's the best because everyone's always like, oh, you know, I have, everyone has such a problem in initiating human contact. That's not the problem. We get initiated. Contact is getting initiated all the time. The problem is always terminating human contact. And you see somebody at a party or something, and you can't say bye, and so you end up making another plan for lunch. It's like, just say bye. No one's going off to war. You'll see him again. So, and I love Larry for that. It's like, okay, all right, and it's just over. It's the best. Specifically speaking, how did Larry's wisdom translate to Dave? And also, what was it like working with someone like Dave Bird, who's so new to the craft of TV? There was a lot of talk about how do we structure this thing and just how do you even, he had so many ideas. It was like hooking your mouth up to a fire hose. It's like, wait, how do we, let's put things in, let's organize things a little bit. Like what, you know, let's talk about these characters and who are the other characters. And like, it was hard for him because it's his life to, to, to see the other characters as being their own sentient beings with problems and things too. So. Um, 
you know, not always seeing them through his own eyes. So that was a thing. Structuring a story was a thing. And then, but he was a hard worker. A lot of musicians, when they see how hard it is to do a show, sort of go, I'm good. <laughs> but Dave has been working his butt off. Um, but there are things, you know, you re I'd realized in places how little he knew about production. So there was a scene, Dave is, is back in Philadelphia. With, he's brought the gang back to Philadelphia because they're going to do a concert. And they're all um, at his mom and dad's dinner table. And mom makes this thing called company chicken, which Dave's real mom makes when guests are over. And it's Dave's favorite meal. He loves company chicken. And he was so excited. We got the real recipe. We're going to make real company chicken. And this is like a six-hour scene that's going to be at night after our crew lunch. And Dave's eating lunch. He's like, I can't wait for company chicken. And I'm like, Dave, it's a long scene. Just pace yourself. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And we get into the scene and we're in like these wide shots and David's just mowing down company chicken. And then in between takes, he's mowing down company chicken. I'm like, oh my God. And then we get to his close-ups. Okay, Dave, you're so excited for company chicken. And he's just like, oh, oh. You, you've never seen someone look so unhappy eating his favorite meal. Um, <laughs> and then he sort of went to the bathroom in his pants later, but which is a different story for another time. I know you weren't asking that, um, but you know, you just, you realize, oh, he's not used to doing a TV show. When writer-producer Saladin Patterson was approached about coming on board of Dave, he saw an opportunity to reach the millennial generation in a unique way, and he also knew he could lend his personal voice to these characters, something Dave and Jeff knew would be essential in bringing this show to life. There were a few things that made me want to be a part of the show when FX first approached me to come aboard. Um, first and foremost, you know, I'm a big fan of all the programming that, programming that FX does. I had I had um, worked on an animated um, series with them um, that was going to start Louis C.K. and Albert Brooks, but fortunately it went away. Um, but I had a good relationship with them because of that. So when they approached me and told me that they had another sitcom that they were planning on doing that they felt was also very character-based and had at its, at its forefront um, another very you know, funny, dynamic, interesting um, conflicted, you know, main character that's going to be played by Lil Dicky, I was very interested because of Dave and Lil Dave slash Lil Dicky's comedy and the types of things he tries to do in his music in terms of pushing the envelope but still being satirical or funny or whatever. So I was like, you know, if, if the show is going to tap into that vein um, and can you know, really also speak to like the millennial generation in terms of both musically in terms of hip-hop but also in terms of like what's going on with them in that vein of their lives i thought it could be a very unique show that we weren't seeing that wasn't on the air already saladin wrote the hard-hitting episode we've previously talked about showing Gaeta's story of bipolar disorder. In addition to doing justice to Gaeta's story this was an opportunity to depict the stigma of mental illness in the black community what was Saladin's process in tackling such a powerful episode? Gotcha. So, um, I mean, it was a multifaceted process, um, it, it, that, that episode coming to life. Like, I got to say, it probably starts just with the fact that um, it's very important to Dave, the person, to make sure that the show is first and foremost real and then funny. You know, those were the demand things, but leading with real and slice of life. And so, 
just like he is um, leaning very heavily on his own personal experiences to um, to serve as like material for the show based on his own trajectory as a hip hop artist. He has populated the show with people that are based on real life people that he has around him or that he had around him as he started his journey. Um, and one of those, you know, people is Gator. Gator's playing himself. Um, the other characters are actors playing real people in Dave's life, but Gator is a real person in Dave's life as his real life hype man and is playing himself. And so we really, because of that, it made us lean even more so on Gator the person in terms of informing who the character was going to be. And so um, Gator came into the room, Gator's a consultant on the show as well, and just started sharing a lot of his personal story with us. Um, and Dave shared a lot of um, the beginnings of his relationship with Gator with us as well, in terms of how Gator became a tight man. And we just wanted to reflect that in the show. And it was hard to get away from the fact that a big part of the formation of Dave's relationship with Gator, and, and they really are best friends in real life, a big part of that friendship forging was Dave learning about Gator's mental illness and them kind of coming to terms with it as Gator came to terms with it in his new role in Dave's life. So we really just kind of took the real life um, the real life plot points, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, between Gator and Dave and just kind of tweaked them a little bit so that they more fit the, the Dave character and the Gator character in the show and really just wanted to embrace them. So a lot of what you saw in the show is a version of what happened in real life. You know, um, Gator having like a little bit of a meltdown during the rehearsal happened in real life. Gator, unfortunately losing his previous hype man job as a result of having a manic episode happened in real life. So we just kind of, you know, my, my challenge, my task was to just um, take that and apply it to the scenarios that we have in the show and, and tweak it for the characters that we have in the show. Um, and then on top of that, though, the other part of your question is, you know, how we, how we looked at handling such a... Um, a heavy topic, but also such a, an important topic, you know, seeing how mental illness affects so many people and how the black community is not spoken about. We really just wanted to hit that dead on, you know, just hit the head on. Um, Gator, you know, being a black man, certainly had to deal with the stigma in real life, certainly had to overcome some of the um, reluctance that you would have to sharing that as a young black man, as a young black man in hip hop. And we also want to talk about how his family reacted to it. You know, it, it's something that it does affect the black community, but we don't we don't talk about it that much. You know, our relationship with therapy and psychiatry is, you know, um, precarious at best in terms of we tend to shun from um, seeking that sort of help. And so we really just wanted to to, to recognize that and represent that, but also show someone breaking through that and getting over that stigma for his betterment. And we, we, we took it as our social responsibility to show the truth, but also show the truth in an encouraging and responsible way that hopefully 
when people see it, they would relate to it um, in terms of people they know or even personal experiences they may have. And if they found themselves struggling with the stigma themselves, we hoped it would encourage them to overcome that. Mental illness is something I care deeply about. And I shared with Saladin a story of somebody that I love very much who struggles with bipolar disorder and how moved I was by this episode and seeing an authentic portrayal on screen of what my friend has gone through and is going through. Gaeta's story in episode five not only brings light to a topic we need to talk about, but as Saladin was saying, it provides hope. That is something I needed to see in conjunction with the dialogue about mental health, and I'm confident other fans of the show were just as impacted as I was. One of my proudest you know, experiences in the industry um, has to be the response, well, being able to experience the response of people who watched that episode and say that it spoke to them or spoke to someone who's close to them and that it rang true for them. And um, I don't take that very lightly. That's very humbling. Um, and it is, um, again, it's a testament to Gator. You know, I, I got to say, I give him the lion's share of the credit because he was the one putting himself out there. He was the one being vulnerable and transparent. And the tears that you saw in the episode were real tears shed in that moment as he lived for us, um, something that was very painful for him. So, you know, I, I appreciate you saying how meaningful it was because um, it lets me know that it's worth for a comedy show, we've talked about a lot of emotional things today. But when I asked Saladin what the emotional heartbeat of this show is, he brought up the most basic human emotion that I hadn't even considered and how it can be used for betterment. That emotion? Fear. There are probably a few emotional cores, to tell you the truth, but you know, one that stands out to me is we have someone in Dave who is inherently a fish out of water. You know, he, he, he's a middle-class, white, Jewish, suburban um, millennial who sincerely believes that he is destined to become the biggest hip-hop star in the world, okay? Um, and recognizes that other people won't see that and that it's up to him to prove it to the world regardless of whether or not the world wants to or is, is even able to um, conceptualize him in that role. And so emotionally, there's this guy who has to believe in himself and has to convince others to believe in himself as much as he does. But at the same time, he has these, these neuroses and these um, you know, insecurities that he wrestles with all the time and it's a part of his persona and it's just really about emotional vulnerability and transparency and and emotional liability as well and like um being willing to bear all i mean so much of it is like on the surface big jokes and talks about his penis but really beneath that is really about are you brave enough to bear all and show the things that are your biggest like fears and weaknesses because you know that only by doing that will you be able to really achieve not only your your dreams but like 
relationship truth and things like that, you know? So, and, you know, I guess that's a very long-winded and hopefully not too convoluted way to say that I think the, the emotional truth of, of Dave is, you know, not just overcoming your fears, but embracing your fears and realizing that your strength comes from whatever it is that you're the most afraid of. Dave is a hilarious, grounded, and thoughtful show that brings the story of the man behind Lil Dicky to life. And the people who created this show, who I had the pleasure of speaking with today, are a prime example of what creative collaboration looks like when it works. Creating a show is about respect, trust, and authenticity. And let's not forget, a whole lot of hard work. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on creating a show. And don't forget to follow at Impact Imagine on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date. Leave a comment to let us know what your favorite part of the show Dave is. We'd like to thank our Impact speakers for their time, wisdom, and supporting the creative community. We would also like to thank Impact's founders, Brian Grazer, Ron Howard, and Tyler Mitchell for making this all possible. Until next time, I'm Gretchen Lynch and have a great day.